Jesus said to his apostles, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There's a very feng shui, fancy term that has been thrown around Catholic circles for probably about a decade at this point. And I remember reading about it first in Sherry Waddell's book, uh, Intentional, on Intentional Discipleship, Forming Intentional Disciples. And it is a term that goes like this, that most of us and modern culture today are not truly, strictly speaking, theistic Christians, but instead we're more were moral, therapeutic deists. And what that term, which has three terms kind of couched in it, alludes to is that moral, first, we view our faith as something that merely gives us a set of rules to live by. Obviously, Christianity has a code of conduct, so to speak, has an ethics that's been informed by years, millennia of scripture and tradition. But many people make it just simply, be nice. That's the morality, be nice. And therapeutic. My faith is something that's meant to comfort me, console me, make me feel comfortable, little else. And then deism, which is an idea that grew with the Enlightenment, with the rationalist thinkers. This idea that God was like a watchmaker God. He created the world and he kind of separated himself. And it only really serves to give those two things, rules and then maybe some comfort whenever we need it. But the God that we encounter in the gospel, and specifically in the person of Jesus Christ, is not that person. And I've even heard Father Dan Schmidtmeyer, home son of this parish, put it a different way. Many of us treat God like a cosmic vending machine. We might go through some prayers, the expectation that we're going to get A8 out, Snickers, a bag of chips. We put into our faith, and then the expectation is that God's going to give us what we ask for in return. And that's as deep as our prayer and our lives of faith can go. But what we encounter in today's gospel, and who we encounter again and again in the gospel, and the person of Jesus Christ, is something much deeper, something more personal, something more transformative, and ultimately something that requires more of us than just merely throwing a few words of assent and a few prayers here or there to the Almighty. The Jesus that we encounter in today's gospel starts off with rather strong words. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
He is saying that He is more important. Your friendship, my friendship with Christ, is to trump all else. Being saved by Christ, being in relationship with Him, being ultimately a member of His body, is more important than your spouse. It's more important than your children. It's more important than any other human relationship. If Christ is not first, our lives cannot be rightly ordered. Jesus cannot truly enter in. And we even hear in today's second reading about the reality that you probably hear me talk on again and again, that we were baptized into his death. And as a result of being baptized into that death, we also share in the pledge of his resurrection and the pledge of eternity that he has gone on before to win for us and to mark out for us. Whenever Jesus utters these words, he is not telling us that we must hate our spouse. Obviously not. Marriage is a high good. It's a sacrament, right? He's not telling us that we must dislike our children. Again, obviously, that's not the truth. But what there is a reminder of in these words that our Lord shares with us is made a little clearer whenever he utters, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Our faith costs us something. Far away from the idea of moral therapeutic deism, which simply treats God as a senile grandfather, a cosmic vending machine, or someone who simply makes us feel comfortable. Our faith in Christ requires something of us. It makes demands upon our lives. It makes demands upon the way we act. It makes demands on every element of our existence. It makes demands of the way in which we treat our brothers and sisters, which the Lord even treats in the second half. Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to these, one of these little ones to drink because they are a disciple will surely not lose their reward. Our faith makes demands upon the way that we treat one another. It also makes demands upon the way in which we order our time. Whenever we come down to it, going to Mass each week is absolutely necessary. And each and every one of you has made that a priority, which shows that the Lord has a foothold in your life, shows that you've made him a priority, shows that he's indeed important to you. But then even beyond that, it's one hour out of, I think, 168, if I did the math right. One hour out of 168 hours in a week, maybe a little more than an hour, which comes out to a little less than 1% of your time. Do we give the Lord more time in prayer? I understand we lead busy lives. There's jobs to do, kids to feed, diapers to change. There's tasks to be done, things to do. But do we ever give the Lord of the universe who's interested in you? Jesus Christ, who was born into this world, descended into our experience, 
became flesh, became a man for us. Do we give that time to him? Do we give some time to him? Even just in a short thanksgiving for the wonders and the gifts that he gives you in your life. Or just a moment to reflect upon a line of scripture. Or some beauty that you encounter throughout the day. Do we take those opportunities? And it touches every element. Christ's ownership upon us makes demands upon us. He doesn't just want your time. He doesn't simply want you to put down Catholic on your census form. He demands so much more of you, the entirety of your being, your heart, your mind, your soul. One thing that faith always makes clear is that it's a journey. None of us are perfect disciples because none of us are the Blessed Mother and were born without original sin. I am not. I know how far away I am from it. None of us are. And so faith is a journey. There is a slow unfolding of the Lord revealing the parts of our life that have not been totally given over to him, the aspects of our life which we have not trusted him with. I can remember this in college seminary. There came this time, you know, I liked playing video games like many teenage boys, even still today. Liked playing video games. I had my own Xbox 360, which was in my room at the seminary. And I just began to feel this tug on my heart from the Lord. That's taking you from me. That's leading you away. And slowly but surely, I began to realize that I had to give it up. And so eventually I sold the, th- the Xbox 360, which shows how old I am, because I think there are like three models now beyond that. And all of a sudden I did begin making time. It's about that time that I began praying the rosary every day. It's about that time that I went from about a BC average student to an A student. It's about that time that I also began making more time for my brother seminarians to hang out with them, to discover more about their lives. And it's not that the video games were bad or that I think anybody who plays it is bad, far from it. But what the Lord showed me is that he wanted me to give that time to something else, to him, to others, and ultimately to my studies, which would hopefully make me a better priest one day. And so it will be in your life. The Lord will reveal to you little by little what parts of your heart, what parts of your life have you not given over to him yet? I discover so many, at so many different points in my life still today, weekly usually. The Lord wants more parts of your life, whether it's a way to better organize your work, a way to better treat your spouse, 
a way to better treat your fellow drivers on the road, your pocketbook, your time, prayer. There are so many aspects. And if we truly love him above all else, we will also order all these other relationships. Because again, to turn to that example of whenever I gave up video games, and not only made my relationship with the Lord better, it also made my relationship with my brothers in the seminary better. I probably started calling my mom more often too. See, so often I think we think that the giving more time to the Lord means that we lose something, means that he's going to take, take, take from us and give us nothing back. But again, the second part of this, he promises again and again, whoever receives a righteous man because he's a righteous man, receive a righteous man's reward. And if they give a cup of cold water to a disciple, they will have their reward. When the Lord asks you to give something up, he doesn't leave you empty-handed, at least not for long. He always gives more to us in return than we could ever imagine. So I want to encourage you to make that a part of your consistent prayer life for at least this coming week. To ask Jesus, to ask the Lord, what part of your heart, what part of your life do you need to give over to him that you haven't yet? And then begin to pray about what that looks like. To transform your time, to transform your relationships, to transform different elements of your life to better serve him. And as you do so, the Lord will give you so much more in return. When we trust him, we really lose nothing. And we gain so much more in return. Because God will never be outdone in generosity. The God who gave us his very son, that you, me, everyone who has ever been baptized through his son's death and resurrection, might have the fullness of eternal life that has been given to us through Christ.